Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. This message comes from our series, Represent. During this series, we learn how to represent God through our words and actions. Let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God today. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you this morning. And you know what? I just have to start because some, a surprise happened for me this morning. And um, you guys, some of you may or may not know the man, Scotty Priest. He is uh, one of the original youth pastors here at Southcrest Church back in 1999 and 2000 and was the reason originally I came on staff here at Southcrest back in 1999 as an intern. So he's here with us in the house this morning. I'd like to give a warm welcome to Scotty Priest. Scotty, would you mind just standing up? Let me embarrass you, brother. Love you, man. Uh, Scotty is now the pastor at Journey Church in Denver, Colorado, and they're in the middle, middle of a building project right now. So exciting stuff going on at that church. Check them out. They're a really cool place, and it's just good to have you here, man. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Um, all right, so we've been in a series called Represent. Let me recap a little bit for you what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Week one was know what you represent. We need to know what we represent. It's important that we don't just live our lives, but we actually intentionally think about the things that we're representing to the world around us. Week two was about freedom and how freed people, when we become freed, we free others. And how important it is for us individually to find freedom in our lives. And then last week, we talked about how we as believers and followers of Jesus are actually dealers of hope, that we dispense hope to the world, that there is only one source of hope, and that is Jesus Christ, and we get to be the bearers, the image bearers of that hope to the world. And so this week, um, we're going to wrap up the series, and today, I'm going to be looking at personal interactions And see, really, when you think about it, to represent Jesus, if we want to be a follower of Jesus and represent him to the world, it really comes right down to a personal interaction, one person interacting with another person. Am I right? It's about those relational happenings that go on throughout our lives in just kind of the mundane, humdrum, every single part of our day. It's a personal interaction with one person and another person. And today we're going to be looking at a personal interaction that Jesus had in the Gospels. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to share my heart with you guys about this. I mean, this is kind of where I'm at. It's very, very difficult for me in my personal life to share Jesus, to represent Jesus to the world around me. It's just a, it's a challenge, right? I want to do it. But really, if you think about it, I'm, I'm to be the presence of Jesus to the world around me. It's a difficult thing to think about. And and I want to do it, and I want to go about my day, and I want to share the love of Christ. But in the end, something happens where I I feel like I'm just too busy. I remember one day where I was going to get my my tires changed, and the guy just starts striking up a conversation with me behind the counter. And I'm like, bro, can you hurry up? I'm trying to get home. Like, dinner's on the table. You know, there's I need my tires done, bro. That's all I need. I don't need a conversation here. Just can you help me get my tires finished? And he starts asking me about my church. And I realized, what in the world, what if I had just moved on? What if I had just stopped right there and said, dude, I got to go. But I had an incredible opportunity, although brief, to tell him about Jesus. And he was a follower of Jesus and he was excited about checking out our church. But here's the deal. There's this tension that I personally struggle with. I think we're all there. How can I represent Jesus in my daily interactions? 
in my real life, you know, when, when I go about, you know, the grocery store or when I'm hanging out at my office or, or when I, you know, when I go um, to the, get the car wash or when I drop my kids off at school, how do I actually represent Jesus in a real practical way? Because it's difficult, right? We realize I'm going to probably see that person again. And it's a little bit challenging. I don't want to alienate myself. I don't want to cross a boundary. There's this kind of social religious taboo. I'm not supposed to talk about you. my faith. You're not really supposed to talk about yours. We all keep it personal. Let's just keep it personal and individual. And I'll just make sure that I have a relationship with Jesus and me and him are good, but I don't really have to tell you about him. I'm just going to make it about me. How can we do it? Because here's the deal. For me personally, not only do I not know how to represent Jesus in many situations, I'm not even good at representing Jake, right? I look like an idiot in all my interactions. I say the wrong stuff. You know, my kids are sometimes crazy. I was at the uh, restaurant the other night and Finley was just crying the entire time. Jubilee was going crazy all, and it was just me. Jackie was out and all the other people in the room. I just know what they're thinking. That dad is absolutely overwhelmed over there. He has no idea what he's doing. And I'm like, ah, uh, she's just teething. She's just teething, right? That's just what we say when we have no idea what's going on. But I don't even know how to represent Jake well. How am I supposed to represent Jesus? I'm going to botch it up. And, and, you know, here's what I came, the conclusion that I came to after reading this passage. What the world needs isn't more moral experts. They need more encounters with Jesus, right? That's what the world needs. They need to experience Jesus in a real way. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be looking at John chapter four to discuss this. And we're going to be asking the question, how do I represent Jesus in my day-to-day life? What does this look like? So let's flip over to John chapter four. And I'm going to open us up with a word of prayer and then we'll get, we'll get started here and jump in. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you, God, for your word. I pray that you'd open your word to us this morning, God. This isn't about my words. This isn't about any kind of idea. It's not about a philosophy. It's not about a theology. It's not a theory. It's about the risen Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would glorify yourself through this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're starting in verse four. And we're gonna read here the whole story, so bear with me as we kind of read through this whole thing. But I'll set it up a little bit. Jesus had encountered some trouble in Judea, so he decides, all right, I'm gonna take off here, and I'm actually gonna go from Judea up to Galilee. Okay, and so he decides that he's going to go up to Galilee and the only direct route up to Galilee is through Samaria. And we're going to be talking about Samaria quite a bit, but all other like, you know, respectable Jews, they would actually cross over the Jordan, go up through Gentile territory and then cross back over sometimes to get around some having to go through Samaria. So that's the situation that we're about to get into. And Jesus is about to walk right into this. Look at verse four. This is an interesting verse here, right here at the beginning, because of what we just said. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. Uh, obviously, that was divine initiative, because most, most everybody else went around. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to you, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So this is a beautiful passage about an encounter with Jesus Christ. And notice that it all came down at the end to who Jesus is. Now I want to discuss with you what happened to this Samaritan woman. Because I think that if we want to affect the people the way Jesus did, we have to engage them the way Jesus did. If we want to have an effect on people the way Jesus did, we have to learn from him and engage them in the way that Jesus did. So I think we're going to learn a lot about this encounter between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. You see, it's interesting. Jesus knew how to connect with people. He had a way with people. In the very chapter, in the chapter right before this, the very chapter that comes before in three, Jesus is interacting with a man named Nicodemus. And it's a totally different interaction. What does he tell Nicodemus? He's like, you have to be born again. It's kind of a very abrupt word. It's like, boom, there it is. Because what does Nicodemus need? Nicodemus, he's confronting him. He's a, he's a religious Pharisee. And so Jesus says to him, you have to start over. You have to be a child again. Nothing that you've done counts. Why? Because Nicodemus' heart was full of pride. He believed he had found out what it means to follow God. And Jesus says, no, you have to be born all over again. And so what does he do with this Samaritan woman? He treats her extremely different. He he, he comes at it a whole different way. It's like he's, he's patient with her. He's gentle with her. Yes, he confronts her, but he does it in such a kind, loving, respectful way. Why? Because this woman already feels like a moral failure. So he's beginning with her in a total different way than he did Nicodemus. And what we see here is that representing Jesus is absolutely personal. You see, Jesus doesn't relate to any two people the same way. And the reason why is because he's extremely personal in the way that he represents the Father and the way that he represents himself. He wants us to, do the same, to be the same way. There's no template here. There's no, you know, let me walk through these things. Let me say five principles and I'm going to be able to tell people about Jesus. Every time Jesus interacts with a new person, it's extremely personal to who they are. So, Here is the first relational principle that I want to give you this morning. 
Representing Jesus starts by having an encounter with Jesus. One thing that we could be certain of in this passage is that this woman had an encounter with Jesus Christ. You see, none of us are going to be able to represent Jesus perfectly. We just can't. People aren't looking for perfection. In the end, it's not even about us. In the end, it's about Jesus Christ and how we represent him to the world. So ultimately, our job isn't even to rep ourselves. It's to show others who Jesus is. And in order for us to be able to do that, we have to, be, we have, to have an encounter with Jesus ourselves. And that's very, very important because people don't want to see principles. They don't want to see an argument. They don't want to see that we are, you know, better versed in the scripture than they are. What they want to see is our personal interactions with Jesus. It's like this. Think about it this way. Okay. I have a confession to make this morning. Okay. I am a Facebook parent. All right. That's my confession. What does that mean, Jake? It just means that I love to post endless pictures of my children on Facebook. Okay. And right. It's nauseating, isn't it? It's like, oh, there's Finley. She just took a poop. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, look, they just took a step. We don't care, Jake. Right? You're laughing because you do the same thing. You are exactly like me. We're all Facebook parents, right? What are we saying? Look, my life is perfect. I've got these incredible kids. I'm not going to post when they were screaming at me five minutes earlier. But I will post when they just recited Jesus loves me. And I'm going to get it all. I'm going to put it to music. It's going to be a montage. It's going to be fantastic. The best parent in the world, right? But why are we intrigued by that? Why do we have to go back and look at those pictures again and again and again? It's like you hate it, but you love it. The reason why, I believe, is because it's intriguing. It's it's amazing to watch a parent fall in love with their child all over again. It's amazing to see a child and a parent and the love that they have, and it's fresh. It's daily. It happened this morning. And so there's something about that. It's like, I want to see it again and again. And you know what? That's what the world wants to see from us in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You hear me? They want to see us relating with him daily. Fresh encounters with Jesus. And so when, when we want to start representing Jesus, we have to start with an encounter with Jesus. And that's what happens to this Samaritan woman. She meets Jesus by the well. She's confused. He's like, here's some living water. She's like, oh, I'm never gonna have to draw water again? Awesome. I hate coming out here. I come in the middle of the day because I've got this relationship with all these men and my reputation precedes me. So I'm out here at noon. All the other women, they're coming out here in the morning or late. They look smart, not getting out here in the heat of the day. I'm out here by myself. I don't wanna ever come back. Give me that living water. Yeah, I'll take the water that never runs out. And ultimately, Jesus reveals to her the true desire of her heart. And see, that's what it means to have a personal encounter with Jesus. He has to tell us everything that's in our heart and show us everything that's in our heart. And when we're encountering Jesus in that way, and then we begin to tell the story, all we have to do is tell the story. All we have to do is share what Jesus did in our life that day or that week That's what the world is looking for. They're looking for real people who really know Jesus. And this isn't a means to an end, right? 
when we start falling in love with Jesus daily all over again, that's really all there is to it. That's the Christian walk. That's the Christian life. Some of you, maybe you're here and you've never even actually encountered Jesus for the first time. You're kind of, you decided to come with a friend or, you know, you just hit the, hit the website and you decided to show up, which we appreciate. We're glad you're here. But you're thinking, Jake, I don't even know Jesus. I'm just kind of here observing. That's awesome. But maybe the Jesus you've encountered has been just a caricature of the real Jesus. It's the Jesus who's judgmental. It's the Jesus who express, is expressed through other people who claim to know him, but are really just fleshly and, and selfish. Maybe it's a character. Maybe it's, the, it's, the, it's this characteristic, this exaggerated Jesus, the meek, simple Jesus, the Jesus who has no power, the insipid Jesus who just wanders around and says pithy things but never ever changes anyone's life. That's not the Jesus that we're talking about. We're talking about the Jesus who rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, who when he would speak, If there was a storm on the sea, a raging hurricane, all the waves would be still and the winds would die down. We're talking about the Jesus that when he spoke to the demonic forces, an entire legion of demons just had to turn tail and run because of the power of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the Jesus who has the faith to literally move mountains who transformed the world. That's the Jesus that we're talking about. That Jesus can pierce your soul and see everything you've ever done and still love you and still hold you accountable to the things that you've done. How does that work? It like shows you who you really are and makes you feel loved and accepted all in the same moment. That's the Jesus that we're talking about. That's the one who wants to have an encounter with you today. Have you encountered him? Have you been changed by him? Has he brought you low? Has he raised you up? Let me encourage you, today is an opportunity to meet him all over again. And from that experience, with those kind of encounters, we can transform our city right here in Noonan. If we, are, if we will be people who will talk about the love of Christ today, That will be so attractive, so compelling, so amazing, so life-changing. The world will not be able to shy away. They will have to take notice. And they will respond. Jesus, if we're going to represent Jesus, it means that we've got to go deeper. We've got to confront some things in ourselves. And here's the second thing that that, um, representing Jesus will lead us to. Representing Jesus means going places that are uncomfortable. I don't like going places that are uncomfortable. I like going places that are comfortable. I just got back from England and I had to sleep on like, you know, a tiny bed and they had English food and it was weird, right? There was butter on my sandwich. Who puts butter on sandwiches? The English do. It was confusing. It was uncomfortable. They woke me up. They told me where I was going to go. It was like, Jake, it's, you have to get up at this time. You have to be here at this time. No one ever does that for me. Jackie's been trying to do that for years. She can't get me to show up anywhere. Just kidding. She rules my life, and I allow her to do it. Right? But that's, I mean, that it, it's, you're going to be uncomfortable. 
It's going to lead you to places that you don't like. Jesus is going to expose things in you that you don't want exposed. What does he do? He calls this woman out. He's like, yeah, well, she's talking about living water. She's like, yeah, give me a drink. He's like, hey, so uh, who's your husband? Whoa, Jesus, watch out now. We're just talking about water, not my, my relational, personal life here. Back off. But that's what Jesus does. He gets into our lives. He leads us to a place that we're not comfortable. Let me just say this to you. If you're in a place right now where you're uncomfortable and you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do in this situation. As a matter of fact, I think I look like a complete idiot this week. You might be following Jesus. Think about that. If you found out that you were wrong about something, if you found out that you missed it, if you found out that, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I'm not together. I'm not well put together. You might be following Jesus because Jesus leads us to places that are uncomfortable. And when we represent him, we're going to be uncomfortable. I don't like being uncomfortable. I kind of shy away from that. But that's the way of Jesus. And when we put ourselves out there, when we go there, Jesus has an opportunity to break out in the relationships around us. What, what happens to this Samaritan woman when there was a man who told her everything that she's ever done? She runs back to the city gives testimony, and it says many of the Samaritans believed in Jesus. What if your uncomfortable story is an opportunity for thousands to hear the gospel? What if you, being willing to endure the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit and the reality of Jesus looking at your life, what if you enduring that is the very key, the linchpin to seeing our city right here in Noonan transformed by the gospel? We're going to go to places that are uncomfortable for us because we care about the lost. We care about people who don't yet know how amazing and beautiful and wonderful Jesus is. Who've never fully experienced what it is to be known and seen in our sin, but then simultaneously loved and accepted in our sin. That's what Jesus is. That's who he is. Let's look at verse 15. It says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. He says, go call your husband and come back. What? Uh, I have no husband, Jesus. Jesus said to you, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. The man you now have is not your husband. What What you said is quite true. I can see that you're a prophet. Let me change the subject. Jesus is dealing with her ultimate source of life right here. You have found your identity in men and the revolving door of your house. That's where your identity has been. You have to let me be your source of life. So that's for every one of us. Are we going to allow Jesus Christ to be our source of life? Not just somebody we talk about, not just, you know, somebody we, you know, we, we, we come and we, we listen to on a Sunday morning, but the reality is, is Jesus going to be the one that transforms our life? Following Jesus will make you uncomfortable. And here's the deal. Jesus wants to, us to go there with other people. Not only does he want to get down to the wellspring of our own life, he wants us to do that with others as well. 
Because guys, I, I gotta be honest, I'm not interested in talking about Jesus unless we're getting into the real issues of life. Am I right? I mean, I'm not interested in talking about how, I mean, it is cool that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago and that, you know, he did these things and like, but here's the real, I, I wanna know Jesus is alive right now. And that he has something to say to you and to me right now. It's true. And so when we interact with people, we got to get to the real parts of life. And that's where it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be powerful. Because we can see lives transformed. Are you ready to hear everything someone ever did? Are you ready to hear that from somebody? Are you ready to dispense the love of Jesus Christ in those moments? It's going to get messy. It's going to get personal. It's designed to be. Jesus wants us to show how his love impacts those real life scenarios. And that's what happens. Jesus tells her everything she's ever done and she responds and she realizes that he's a prophet. And more than that, she realizes that he's the son of God. And she has a personal encounter that transforms her forever. But that's not the half of it. And this is where we're gonna go into like kind of the depths of where the disciples come back into this, okay? And we didn't read it in our earlier passage, but I'm gonna read it for you here just now. At this point, the disciples are coming back Okay, from Samaria. And you have to understand, they've had a really tough go at this, all right? Here's the reality between Jews and Samaritans. The Jews believe that even the food that was touched by the Samaritans was defiled. Like if you touched their food, you became ceremoniously unclean. And you had to go like purify yourself before you were even allowed in the temple. The theological differences, though they were nuances to the two cultures, from us looking at it from the outside, in that culture, there was a huge rift right down the middle between Jews and Samaritans. There was anger. There was a schism like 400 years earlier in which a bunch of Samaritans and those people, those followers decided, hey, we're going to worship this way. And Jews said, no, we're worshiping this way. And they couldn't be more divided. Jesus did more than show up and walk through Samaria. He sent his 12 guys into the heart of the city. Can you imagine going someplace like that as a follower of Jesus and being like, why are we here? What is he thinking? Uh, Is that meat? Because I can't eat meat. I can't even touch your meat. Give me some vegetables. You got bread? I think I can touch bread. James, can I touch bread? I don't know. I don't remember. What are the rules? And they're freaking out. And so they come back from this crazy experience. And here's what, uh, here's what we see in verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one's got the guts to ask, hey, what's going on here? What do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So, 
Here's what the disciples had to face and what we all have to face. Representing Jesus requires us to expand our limits on love. Representing Jesus requires us to expand our limits on love. What is a limit on love? What does that even look like? I'll tell you, there's a word for it. It's called prejudice. And that word means a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. It's a judgment. And we got something going on in our country right now. It's a pretty charged idea about racial tension in our country. And it's, it's something that we're all having to face in this moment. I wonder what Jesus would have to say to our country here in this moment. I wonder what kind of actions, when it comes to the racial divides that we experience, that Jesus would condone. What would he say? Well, I was looking on the internet, and maybe you saw this clip, but I thought, you know what? If Jesus were here today, and he were like flesh and blood here on the, on the earth, and I think that he might be doing something like this. There's a group, um, Black Lives Matter, in Wichita, Kansas, that were going out to protest, and they decided to do something a little bit different on this day. And I want to show you the clip. It's right here. It's pretty cool. Let's, ch- let's check it out and see what happens. Turn it out. We've got, we do thorough investigations and we're going to start a civilian review board that also will oversee uh, those and the complaints and how they're done. And I have set the tone that we are going to treat people fairly and with dignity and respect. And it starts with me. I think my favorite part of that video was that 70-year-old policeman was trying to do the whip. I mean, that was awesome. That was like on point. But how cool is that? I mean, we see here this extremely charged scenario sweeping through our country. And we got people saying, hey, look, let's throw a barbecue. I think that's probably what Jesus would have done, amen? Jesus, if I remember, he had a wedding feast and he was like, go. He told a parable about a wedding feast. Go call out everybody in the streets and bring them in here because we're about to have a party. Do black lives matter? Absolutely, black lives matter. As a matter of fact, every life matters to God, amen? Every single one. 
Remember that kid's song you used to sing when you were a little child? Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And so sometimes representing Jesus is going to expand our limits on God's love. What if the key to our city, Southcrest, what if the key to Noonan is one of us crossing a boundary that you just don't cross here in Noonan, Georgia for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that person happens to be the key to the gospel breaking out in our city. Because that's exactly what happened here in this passage. Jesus went to a Samaritan, a woman, a harlot. There were lots of boundaries that he was not supposed to cross. And he said, I love you. She was transformed. She went back to her city and the entire city was transformed. That's the kind of thing I want to be a part of. That's the kind of movement of God. I want the news cameras coming here to share with the world that we don't care about color. We don't care about race. We don't care about social economic status. We don't care about old noon versus new noon. And we don't care about any of that. We care about the gospel. And I just wouldn't be surprised if there were some opportunities in my life and in your life today to cross some of those boundaries and to do it with love because you can't put limits on the love of God. Jesus is going to force the issue. For the Jews of his day, what they touched made them unclean. But for Jesus, when he would touch something, he would make it clean. And that's what we need to be about. We need to be about touching the untouchable because Jesus Christ would do it that way. And his love will always, always, always conquer those boundaries. Let me invite you to pray with me this morning because here, this this kind of message, this kind of invitation demands a response from every one of us. And I want to ask you this morning, have you met Jesus? Not just know about him, but have you had an encounter with the risen Jesus? Have you experienced him? A friend of mine said it this way. Think about the creation. Think about the mountains and the forests. Think about the birth of your child. Think about your relationship with your spouse. Think about all these things that God has made and the beauty and the wonder that you find there. Do you think that happened by chance? How beautiful are we to Jesus then? If you've never met him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today because Jesus loves you and he wants to transform your life. So maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Jake, I'm ready. I don't yet know Jesus really. I've never prayed this prayer, but I'm ready to become a Christian today. I want to do it. I want to meet Jesus in a powerful way. And I'd just like you to pray this with me right now. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. 
Remember, you can find more sermons just like this one on our website at southcrest.church. If you have any questions about our church, email us at hello at southcrest.tv. We'll see you next time.